Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 19, Communicate Like a Boss, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. All right, you guys, today we're talking all about communication. That means how you get your message across to your clients and your creative colleagues, whether it's in person, over Skype, via email, or on the telephone. Do people even say telephone anymore? Or is Um, it just phone? Phone. I think it's just phone. Okay, over the phone or even (laughs) over text. We're going to be chatting about how to manage your inbox and write effective emails. We're also going to be talking about phone phobias and the best way to handle miscommunications. But first, an announcement. Our first secret episode is live and ready for download on our website. This episode is all about cultivating confidence for creative entrepreneurs because sometimes living the dream can be scary. (laughs) Uh, Find out more information at lovebeingboss.com. Also, I think that we have finally resolved our tech issues, knock on wood, on our YouTube page. So if you prefer watching our podcast, find the link to our YouTube page at lovebeingboss.com. And that reminds me, I, I forgot to put on my lipstick today. Kathleen, how dare you? You're practically naked now. (laughs) All right. So let's dive in. I wanted to share a little bit about how like we communicate with our clients Mm -hmm. and kind of like from beginning to end. So I just wanted to walk everyone through my client onboarding process a little bit. Yeah. Um, So I'll start by sharing the life of a project of what it looks like whenever it comes to client communication here at Braid Creative. So first things first, the potential customer will typically send in an inquiry through the contact form on our website. And Emily, you talked a lot about contact forms on websites whenever we were chatting on our website podcast and how important that is. But one thing that it's done is um, it's kept me from getting a lot of like just random emails to my inbox. So people send us an email through the contact form, and this actually goes straight to my virtual assistant who responds with a canned response that outlines all the details of what we offer and how we work. Now, a canned response is a response that you plug in. It's the same every single time, so you're not literally typing out the email. Um, And we do customize it for each person that emails kind of based on what they're saying, but we have like customizable sections. Mm-hmm. Um, if it seems like a fit from there, we schedule a kickoff Skype session so that we can make sure it's a good fit for everyone before moving forward with the actual project. So it's a way for us to really meet face to face and get to know each other. I find that whenever we have a kickoff Skype session with a potential client, we close on, I mean, I would say nine out of 10 of those Skype sessions. I think that there's something about just getting like face to face in front of each other that helps close deals. All right. So from there, we Skype and we send a series of emails to set all the meeting dates for the life of a project. So this could be like a whole other podcast, but we have, we have a certain process, our braid method. And so with that, we know there will be so many meetings 
and we just schedule them all in advance. Um, I was just reading on our Facebook page, a lot of creatives are having problems with their clients canceling meetings. And that's just never an issue with us because once the meeting is set, like we're, we're squeezing everything into our calendar and then that's that. If the meeting is missed, it might be another couple of weeks before we can meet with the client again. So anyway, we, we email to set all the dates for those meetings. We also put it into our Google Calendar and all of our meetings happen face-to-face via Skype, um, sometimes in person if it's a local client. But this is so important because I think what it does is um, it creates a lot of trust and, I mean, just like personable FaceTime with our clients. And then in between those Skype meetings, there's sometimes like a little bit of email back and forth. Um, But 90% of the time, I would say all of our big decisions are made via Skype. And I would say the same is true for even creative collaborations. So Mm -hmm. Emily, you and I, I mean, we do a lot of correspondence over Evernote and by email, but like whenever it's something that we're not really sure about, or we just kind of need to like work through it, we'll hop on Skype and we'll talk to each other in person. So that's how we do it. I'm sure that there might even be more questions like, but wait, what about, (laughs) and we'll try and cover it all in this episode. But if you have any other questions, feel free to ask on our Facebook group. Emily, I'm curious um, how you prefer to communicate with your clients and kind of what that process looks like for you. Yeah. So ours, ours is really very similar. (laughs) We, um, we have people contact us via our website. We also have, um, canned response and sell slides that we send to clients whenever, or potential clients, whenever they might want to work with us. And then we also are, I set up a meeting. Um, actually Chris sets that up for me. She sets up a meeting for me to talk, um, with them to answer any questions, tell them a little bit more about our process. And again, sort of get that face-to-face time. We do some of those via Skype, but I'll tell you, lately Skype has been letting me down. (laughs) So, but are are you still doing it over video? No, we're actually doing a lot of them over the phone these days. So we've uh, we've been using Uber Conference, uh, which is just a free, I think it's free. Do we pay for that? I don't think we pay for Uber Conference, um, where it's just like one phone number that Chris sends to everyone that we are having a phone call with, um, and then I have the same number, and we just sort of call in at the same time. That way, there's no juggling like screen names. Do they still call them screen names? Is that still? <laughs> I mean, I never know. Like, I'm always like, send me your Skype handle. Right. Yeah. Handle. Your Skype name. Whatever that Skype is. name. That, that thing is. So there's no more juggling Skype names or telephone numbers or any telephone, telephone numbers or any of those things. We just all have one number that we like meet up at, which works really, really great for us, at least at the moment. I do prefer this being able to Skype and do face to face. Um, But it just seems to be so spotty that I would rather like just do a meeting. (laughs) Don't have to worry about it. One reason I like Skype is because we're not only whenever we're closing on a deal, we send our sales slides as well, but uh-huh. whenever we're Skyping, we actually share our screen and sometimes walk the yes. potential client through a case study to actually show them what it looks and feels like. So that screen share aspect is really handy. Yeah, but I bet is. you could always send them a PDF and talk to them over the phone. 
I do with a PDF open. Yeah, I, I do that a lot, actually. Um, and that, that seems to work well enough. I, I do miss, because I used to do all of my meetings via Skype, and I, I do miss constantly having that good face-to-face time. But it's simply, like, really streamlined my process, at least lately, to do these Uber conference phone calls where we just sort of meet up, we talk things out, um, and then once they book, um, we do the same thing. So we have a set number of, of meetings that we have for Indie Boom Project, at, at least during the first three months because you can book an Indie Boom project that's anywhere from four months to 12 months. Um, so we have like a set number of like strategy meetings that we do with our clients. Um, and we go ahead and set those up as well. So they're on my calendar, they're on their calendar. Um, and then we go from there. And those usually are either via Skype or by phone. Um, sometimes, especially if it's like a website reveal, I do like to do like screen sharing so I can walk through websites with them. Um, or things like that, but I, I do switch it up a lot between Skype and these days a lot of Uber conference. I prefer doing my creative coaching phone calls uh-huh. over the phone. Yeah. So rather than Skype, I mean, I will do Skype if um, my client prefers that. Yes. But I really like whenever I'm coaching to do it over the phone, and maybe it's because that's how I like to be coached. Right. Because I can just like get in my headspace. I don't have to get distracted about what I look like <laughs> on the Skype screen. Right. Um, so I found that, yeah, there's something about coaching that I really like, just that voice connection. Right. But whenever it comes to my clients, I really do like a face-to-face connection. I do too. I prefer that a lot too. But technology, Skype, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like every time I'm on Skype and there's issues, I'm like, oh my God, it's 2015. Like, why? Why? <laughs> Let's talk about email because I feel like that is probably the primary way most of us are communicating every single day. And I don't know about you, but I'm overwhelmed by email. Like I have so much freaking email. It's ridiculous. Actually, before we got on this podcast, I had 30 minutes to like sit down and filter as much email as possible. Um, just to like, just to manage it. I I joke, but it's not really a joke. I joke sometimes, um, that for the past five years, I have not been coming, been becoming an expertise at web design and development. I've been becoming an expert at email. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you spent, I like how you say that you spent 30 minutes just filtering through it because in 30 minutes, I can maybe answer two emails, maybe. Oh, I know. Sometimes even one. And so, like, filtering, like, I'll click on them and do mark as read for the ones that don't, that I actually don't need to read. Yep. Um, okay, so let's talk about, like, I'm overwhelmed by email. Yes. You're overwhelmed by email. Um, I know that we were just talking earlier this week about a new time management app that we're both trying out called yes. Timely. Yes. And you were able to track your time emailing. And how many hours did you say you spent emailing? Um, in, in, let's see, five days. So one week plus three days. So eight days of like business work. Um, my team, so it's me, um, Corey, and Chris. This does not include David, who really, he's usually spent most of his time emailing too. So this, this does not include David. We spent 22 hours between the three of us in eight days on email. <laughs> All right. So what are some things that you're thinking about doing to spend less time emailing? Well, I, I actually, I talked to, we talked about this cause I saw that number and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to absolutely be kidding me. Um, but it, it's not abnormal really for me to be spending 
that much time on email. So I talked to Chris about it and we decided that we're going to stop emailing everything or stop replying to everything. So if you're emailing me, there's a good chance that it, unless it is actionable, we may not be answering it anymore. <laughs> and not, not that we're ignoring, but I definitely read everything that comes through my inbox. I really, really do. Whenever people reply to our indie tactics emails, like we, we archive those away. I read through them. I read everything that comes through. I just don't have time to answer everything. So, um, so you know, that- I even got an email from Chris earlier today, and um, it, all the only reply that it warranted was a thank you. Yeah, and. I thought that it would be more thankful to not send her another email yes. than to actually say thank you. Yeah. But like, so yeah, let's make this agreement right here. Like between you and I, if we're emailing each other and it, And Chris, you're listening to this too. And, yeah. If it doesn't need a reply, um, just imagine that I, I've seen it. I'm smiling. I'm closing. Yes. And that's it. I'm thankful. Yeah. But I'm sending it from it. my heart and I'm it. not sending it to your inbox. <laughs> I let agreed. I agreed to this. Um, I actually, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I was telling him like how crazy these emails are. And he says he likes to make a game out of how short he can make his responses. And That's so cool. his, his very favorite one, and he sent it to me a couple of times is just 10, four, 10, four. Nice. But that's kind of like, um, well, this is more annoying whenever you had to pay for texts before uh-huh. iMessage came out. But you know, if someone, if you're, if you're texting someone and they just email or text back with a K, K, oh, you're like, that. I just paid 10 cents for that K. <laughs> I know. <Like>, what? <laughs> okay. So one thing that I've seen people doing is signing off as NRN and that yes. stands for no response needed. Yes. Um, which is something that you can do whenever you're sending an email, which is really nice. Yeah, I love that. I actually need to start employing that. Chris, you're listening. Feel free to start using an RN. So let's talk about that too. Let's talk about that too. So you have Chris and then I I have Caitlin. So we both have, um, well, I have a virtual assistant. She did. I don't know about the word virtual. She's my assistant. Right. Um, she's the braid assistant. Chris is your assistant. And so I actually hired Caitlin to help. I mean, my my main catalyst for hiring someone was to help me with my emails. Yes. Um. So how does Chris, how does your assistant help you with your emails? Is she actually in your inbox responding to your emails? Is she pretending to be you? Um. Sometimes she does. <laughs> is that a bad thing? I've, I've like I don't I've, know. I've, I've read blog posts about it, and there seem to be different views. But she does sometimes. She replies as me, um, but a lot actually. She only does that, and this is bad. And maybe this is a horrible thing. You all can judge me if you want, but there are sometimes there are clients that um, need to be responded to as me because if it comes to, from Chris, they won't respond back. And and this oh. isn't something that I have to do anymore. So like any current clients and stuff, like I'm not, I'm not like. <laughs> not bad clear by any means but but it has happened in the past where sometimes it needs to come from me um which is is kind of ridiculous but kind of how it works um and in like she has my permission to do so we can just send it from my email address it's fine um but she does she actually has access to all of my emails um i have my email account on her computer um on her like mac apple app or whatever or mail app and um 
she does. She will go through and she filters out my email for me sometimes. Um, and she'll take things that she can reply to and she'll drag them to her inbox and then she'll reply to them from there. Um, so she does, she has access to all of my emails, which I know freaks a lot of people out. Um, I was, I was telling a coaching client this the other day and she was like, well, what about all your personal emails? And I was like, well, I have a personal email account for that. (laughs) (laughs) See, okay. That's actually a good point. I just have one email account. For everything. That stresses me out, Kathleen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hopefully I never run for president and someone has to like weed through all my, even if I ran for president, no one's like, what? Like is someone like going through all my brain creative emails? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, if you're president, president. we'll, we'll deal with that. Okay. So, um, can we talk for a minute about canned responses? Yes. All right. And I'm kind of like just veering us probably it's off fine. Track it's all emails from original it's all emails so can responses are a google feature so if you have gmail mm-hmm. um you can create a response for certain types of emails that you get like if you get the same kind of email over and over again and you're sending the same kind of response create a canned response and this is in the I'm probably not the person to be <laughs> advising on this, but um, you give, give some some tech tutorials. Google, now? yeah, right. <laughs> Google canned responses and watch a tutorial because it's go. really great. Um, I, okay. I do the same thing. I have to say, I do the same thing. Except I keep I keep an Evernote notebook mm. that is just email responses and so like sales emails replies to just like easy things that that come in the the things that I'm writing over and over again we actually have a a big like shared email notebook in Evernote where we have them all organized by like what kind of response they are for Um, and we use them that way and we have little sections in there where we put in like custom content so you know if a client's emailing us because they want a website because they want more customers then our follow-up email is going to address the fact that they want to get more customers. So we do keep it really personable, but it really speeds up the process so that I'm not spending 44 hours a week (laughs) writing emails. (laughs) All right. So one thing that I do, and I feel like we've talked about, I'm having deja vu. Like, have we already done an episode on this? I don't think so. I think we just talked about it enough. Okay. I know that we've (laughs) talked, we've probably touched on it in a previous episode, but um, I'm still having email issues. So We can probably never talk about it it enough. (laughs) Okay, so one thing that I've been doing to get better email responses from people is, like, so there's nothing more frustrating than sending out, like, a really concise email and then um, getting nothing back or, you know, or getting, like, the wrong thing, like, the the wrong answer back. (laughs) They answered a question. So what I've been doing is, yeah, I've been only asking one question or we're request per email. Like if I'm emailing someone who I know can handle it, um, like you, I might email you like three things, but I'll number them or bullet Mm -hmm. them or bold them in a way that it is scannable so that you can just reply to what is needed. And this is actually something that, um, my sister is really good at whenever she's emailing me because she knows that I'm, (laughs) she's a boss email. She knows (laughs) that like my comprehension is zilch after a year (laughs) of no sleep. Um, so she's really good about like highlighting and bolding and making certain areas bigger, but with a degree in design, she knows how to like not make it too cluttered with all the highlighting and bolding and 
Anyway, so numbering and bulleting and highlighting is so important. And and asking that one question, I want to go back to that for a second because I actually had someone, I did a little survey in our Facebook group recently just trying to get an idea of what sort of things people are interested in. And someone even asked this question like or was stating the problem that she she has a hard time emailing her clients and they'll not reply to or they won't answer all of her questions. And I, yeah. so whoever you were, cause I can't remember your name <laughs> or who you were exactly, but just ask one question per email or bullet point it. So like write your email and then at the bottom say, here's what I need from you. And then bullet point out your four questions and then magically they will begin answering all of them. <laughs> yes. You sent me one of those emails recently and I loved it because you mm-hmm. sent me, a, it had to be a long email because we were about to launch the branding for designers right. ebook over at Braid Creative. And so it was this long email of like, okay, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And at the end you said, what I need from you. And it was like four bullets. Yep. Bam. Done. Done. <laughs> done. Um, Okay, another way to, and I'm kind of just jumping all over the place, but let's talk a little bit more about managing your inbox. So we've talked about having an assistant help you with your inbox. Um, Unsubscribe to unnecessary emails. Yes. Oh, this is such a hard one to do though. The other, the other day I was like spending an hour going through my email and there was an email in there. Oh, it was from Visco Cam. And I love some Visco cam. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this email in my inbox. And I went to unsubscribe. And then I couldn't bring myself to actually <laughs> unsubscribe. And then I realized that I probably have a problem. Um, but I, I do have very few email subscriptions. And another one that ties into this that's very important is turn off email notifications. That's that's exactly what I was thinking about, like Facebook notifications yes. or even like whenever someone signs up for our newsletter, I yep. get notified every single time. And sometimes that's nice because yes. you know that there's like action happening on your website yeah. Um, Do you want me to turn feel... that off, Kathleen? Do you want me to turn that off? <laughs> I think you did. I think you did turn it off. Oh, good. I was to say, I think we talked. Good. I, I did. I but you know, that. like you get all these alerts for different things. Um, some alerts that I keep on is actually um, through FreshBooks. So my sister handles all of our accounting and invoicing and billing, but I still get an email notification from FreshBooks saying when someone has been invoiced and when we've gotten payment. And even though I'm not the one handling that, I like seeing it come through my inbox because it just makes me feel a little more in touch with my business and in touch with the financial aspect of our business. Yeah. Yes. Definitely keep some of them on. I I still receive those notifications, but all other notifications have been turned off because that's just more emails for you to filter through, especially considering I'm not reading all of the Facebook notifications that come to my inbox or all of the, like we use Todoist in the studio to manage to-dos between team members. Um, I turned off those notifications because if I want to see what you completed, I'll just go over to Todoist and look and see. (laughs) It works out much better. I want to talk about the tone of emails, and this is more under like client management, the client management aspect of emailing back and forth. So I have found that depending on my mood, I can get easily offended by emails. (laughs) So let's say a client emails and they're like, I don't, I don't really like the color pink and I would like to bring in more green into the brand platform. Or something like that. Right. 
if I read it like, ugh, I hate the color pink. That sucks. Why did you even choose pink? You know, like I can read right. it in that tone. Um, so, so email t- tone, what I've started doing is I read every email as if it were like sunshiny and positive, like, Hey, I don't really love the color pink, but I love green. Please hook me up. Thank you. You know, so that way I don't get mad or offended. And I have found that like getting my tone across, like, so I found that, okay. So we talked earlier about keeping emails short, keeping them shorter And I've been trying to practice, I've been trying to practice to give what I want to receive. So if it's short emails, I want to send out short emails, but I don't want to sound short. I want it to be short, but then still warm. So I find myself using a lot of exclamation points in my emails because I want people to know that I'm excited and I'm so happy they're emailing and, you know, but... I, but then you sound like a crazy person. Exactly. I sound like a crazy person or I sound juvenile using too many exclamation marks. Or it's like, does this really need an exclamation mark? Really? Um, but I find, you know, even my sister was texting me the other day. And I was like, you need to put in some like emojis or exclamation marks that I know that you're not mad. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was about to say. I'm the same way. And what I found, what I found over the years of becoming an expert emailer is that the more you can email how you would talk, usually the easier it comes across. And use exclamation points. Like I've even told David before, David, whenever he started doing like managing the money side of my business and and asking people to pay him, which is really like one of his job descriptions is go after money from clients. Um, God, that sounds aggressive. He doesn't do that. I mean, David is the least aggressive person I've ever met. But I remember telling him, like, put a couple of exclamation points in there just to sort of show that excitement. And I've also, I hate some emojis, or I used to hate some emojis. Um, But I found myself, like, even in emails, if used very sparingly. I mean, like, if it's a long email, I may put one. And if it's a short email, I probably won't put any. But I have found that occasionally throwing in just a nice little smiley face, as long as it's not overdone, is not juvenile at all. It just Mm -hmm. helps express that little bit of emotion so you can get across whatever emotion it is that you're trying to get across. Um, There is a line there. Um, and it's kind of like a gray one, (laughs) but, but I, I am okay with defining my professionalism in a way that whenever I'm excited about something, I'm going to send you an emoji. (laughs) I've been responding only in emojis, like on Instagram, whenever people tag us, I mean, same kind of thing, like. Yeah, I can say so much more with little like, yes. So this, if you're watching on YouTube, like the hands <laughs> up and then the hands in prayer, that's my amen. <laughs> I hope everyone like hears me saying that. Like every time you see that emoji, I am now. Amen. amen. <laughs> so I'm trying to find this email from one of my previous clients because, um, speaking of like emailing the way that you talk, I had this client once and she was so cool. I mean, we would talk on the phone and we'd be cracking up. She was hilarious. She was real. She was awesome. And then I was, I was telling my sister, I was like, oh, we just got the coolest client. She's real. She's hilarious. She's amazing. 
And then we were doing some email correspondence back and forth to set those meeting dates. And all of a sudden, this client that we had started sounding like a robot, like legit robot. And I can't even remember exactly what she said, but it was like, it, was, it just kind of blew my mind. And my sister was like, I, she couldn't hardly even decipher what the email was trying to say. It was so like formal and, and kind of corporate speak sounding. Anyway, I thought that that was funny. I like that, that she sounded so just official in her email. And so this is like, this is kind of a personal branding issue is that whenever you are emailing with someone, your brand should shine through. Your personality should shine through. So write like yep. you speak. Cohesive online presence. <laughs> like it also goes into your email. Exactly. Email is like just one form of correspondence. So read through your email and say, is this something that I would really say? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this applies to, um, you know, even blogging. Oh, I'm going off topic here. I won't say that. <laughs> but well, like, you I, know how I'm blogging, like everyone's like, hey, lovelies. Like, do you yes. ever say lovelies in real life? I do. I call everyone honey in real life, too. I like that. Why yeah. don't you ever call me honey in your emails? I will, honey. Hi, honey. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. So, if you if you don't say things in real life, don't say it in an email. I also want to talk really quickly about something that I've done a couple of times, and I've had a couple of people do it to me, and I love it. absolutely love it, is sending emails of small voice recordings. Oh, yeah. I've done it a couple of times and I love do like if I'm having a day where I've literally just spent the past six hours going through my email and by the end of it, I'm done. And so I'll just like open up QuickTime and record a couple of responses and then send them on. And I can get done with wow. like two hours worth of email and like 15 minutes of just recording things and pulling them into emails and sending them. And my clients love it. Love okay, it. I'm going to have to think on this on whether or not I would like it because I'm actually like I have a phobia of voicemail. <laughs> like if I see the little red dot next to my voicemail right. on my phone, I, I it I, it makes me want to like I don't know, like break out in hives and like what? itch my skin off my face. Like, do we have to send you to voicemail therapy? I think so. <laughs> I hate voicemail. I oh, hate I, it. I hate listening to them. I hate it when people leave them for me. But okay, it's not like so, a phobia. It's just like I don't have time to listen to this. Like, so I'll if call you, you hate voicemail, like isn't it the same thing getting a voice recording via email? No, and here's here's a thing. Here's because the people who usually leave me voicemail is family, or God, I've been like putting off doing this this um, interview thing for my life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I called and did it the other day. It is off my list, but I've been getting plenty of voicemails because they always call me at the most inopportune moments. Like I do not have time to sit here right now and answer no to all these health questions. Um, so, I don't know. It's usually not the kinds of things that I really want to listen to. Like, I don't, I've joked with David about this before. My family uses voicemail as, like, as, as the way to be dramatic about things that isn't really dramatic. And so, like, I've always hated listening to my voicemails because it's not that dramatic. So, emails are completely different to me. Like, that, it's clients, it's, like, it's friends, it's those sorts of things. So, whenever I see those things coming into my email, like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't, equate that at all to what a voicemail would be on my phone. Okay. Whenever you send a little quick time memo via mm-hmm. email, this is like 
blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Can you play it right in yes. your mailbox or do you have to like open it up into iTunes and then listen there? No. Well, well, I don't know. On a Mac, you don't. On a Mac, you can open any file by just like pressing the space bar and it pops up and you can play it from there. Um, Kendrick, actually. Kendrick, my sales coach, last episode. Um, she's the one that introduced me to it about a year ago and she actually did one for me the other day when we got off the podcast recording. Um, and it was just like a little player right there in my email and I clicked it and it was just like a minute like saying thank you. She was like picking up her kid from school and just wanted to like follow up real quick. So it's, and, and, and I never do important emails. She's picking up her kid from school, so she's not opening QuickTime and sending you a QuickTime She's doing file. it from a voice recorder on cell phone. I've done that as well, is you can just open up your voice recorder. So, like, you're going through the grocery store, and you look at your email, and someone just sent you a quick something, and you want to reply quickly, but it doesn't warrant, like, needing to go home and open up your laptop and do it there. Like, quick voice recording, attach it to an email, and send it on fascinating okay pros and cons to this like I think that um I have down here later talking like whenever you talk over the phone or via Skype to always follow up with an email with like bullet points of the actionable items so I think it's good to talk things through but the problem with this memo voicemail thing is that let's say in a week I I remembered that you told me this thing I needed to do, Mm -hmm. but it was over a voicemail and, or, you know, over this like memo recording and not over email text. So now I can't search for it in my inbox. Like I do so much searching in my inbox. Yeah. Me too. Um, I never do voice recordings for really important things. Like, because I'm one of those, or really even phone calls in a lot of ways. Um, And that's something, especially once we get really deep into a project and we're doing website edits and things like that. Like, I don't want to talk about that stuff over the phone. I want that stuff in writing. And then if we need to discuss it, then we can discuss it. Um, But the voice recordings, I never voice record anything that needs to be written down. Um, It will only be just quick replies. So it might be stuff that's more like, love notes or brainstorming or I think that's a great idea go for it okay (laughs) whatever that may be yeah okay gotcha all right I'm going to start trying this a little bit I'm going to start trying do oh send me one (laughs) I'll I'll have to see like what works better doing the quick time recording because I'm used to doing that with the podcast um or doing a voice memo on my phone and then knowing how to attach it or send it yeah I mean, I know that, like, whenever you're sending a text, there's a little microphone, and I've never used that before. Do not use it. I So, Mikey and I use it. And David a little bit. David doesn't usually reply to me. No one ever replies to me. I use it all the time. The little voice thing. It's like, it's genius. Absolutely genius. All right. This reminds me of how the last podcast we recorded. <laughs> I left my QuickTime player just yeah. going. I never hit stop <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to edit down this quick time. So I had to tell you, Emily, who I'm speaking to right now. I was like, okay, don't listen to the rest of this. Like who knows? I who knows what I was saying or talking about, or you probably heard Fox melting down. Probably. Who knows? Yeah, no, I'll just get to the end and cut it off and I don't care. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, going back to these emails and these voice, these voice memos, um, I've also done it a couple of times with video and especially if I'm wanting to send someone like a special, like I sent, sent a client, like a birthday message once, just like, 
iPhone video, like happy birthday, send. Um, and those need to be really short because they don't send very big ones. Um, but it's also just sort of a fun way to, to communicate with people in a really quick, easy way. And it, it's almost more thoughtful, even though it takes less time than writing an email for certain types of things. So using email, like if you're going to do text, like organize it well, highlight, bold, bullet point, love bullet points. Um, but then for easy things, like try out different ways of doing it and doing a quick voice memo or record a cute little video of your sweet face um, and send that along to someone. Because I think that, um, I think that everyone deals with shit tons of emails. Um, and if you don't, you will someday. <laughs> so learn to manage it now um, and you will be much better off. And doing, doing quick things like voice memos and videos, I think speeds up a lot of processes. I want to take a second to chat about our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help creative entrepreneurs get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. I've been using FreshBooks from the very beginning since I first started freelancing. Um, I remember I felt super legit finally signing up for something that I could invoice and bill people from. And one thing that I love about it is that sometimes it's uncomfortable asking people to pay you. And whenever you send out an invoice via FreshBooks, the invoice is going out directly through FreshBooks or even um, in the mail. You can have their invoices printed and sent in the mail from FreshBooks. So it kind of feels like a like a little buffer in between you and the client. So it makes you a little more brave whenever it comes to invoicing and asking for money. Um, Whenever it comes to invoicing, you can accept credit cards for online payments. It makes it super easy for your client to pay you. You can accept payments via PayPal or Stripe. You can see when your clients view your invoice and you can look at that invoice history with date and timestamps on all actions. Um, You can send out late payment reminders. So if those people aren't paying you, you can schedule and customize automatic reminders for slow paying clients. Stay on top of your business with a clear picture of its financial health. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. All right, back to our show. Um, I want to talk a little bit, I mean, like about the value of face-to-face time. And mm-hmm. so I love the idea of sending a little video and I've even um, sent one of my friends that has a baby the same age as Fox. We'll send each other little videos, oh. you know, just to say hi. And a lot of times because we, we literally can't be texting right. with our thumbs because our kids need so much of our attention. <laughs> So we'll send each other little videos and I just never thought about doing it for work, which is Mm -hmm. genius. But one thing that I will do is, um, and this is probably not so much with my clients, but with my team or people that I'm collaborating with, like you, for example, um, if there is something that kind of just needs discussion, like I think I've gotten so used to emailing back and forth that I've forgotten, or sometimes I need to be reminded of like the value of just brainstorming it out in person. Yes. And so um, I can come to a decision so much faster. As for example, with the podcast, like let's say we want to have merch for our podcast mm-hmm. and I'm trying to decide between a mug or some pencils or some notebooks or t-shirts. I'll just say, instead of typing it all out and the pros and cons of each and sending you a huge email, I'll say, hey, Let's just hop on Skype really quick. And so yes. I'll send you an Evernote chat 
or a quick email saying, hey, can you hop on Skype? And then we'll just hop on Skype and have a 10-minute conversation, even though it's really hard for us to keep our chats to 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. It never is 10 minutes. But yeah, it's, it's a really great thing to do also with clients. If, if a client does send you an email with, of edits or something that just is kind of blowing your mind a little bit, or if, if there's a, a customer service issue or something with, with something that you've sent out or with a client, hop on the phone. Like so much more can be solved by talking with someone. And I know there are tons of people out there with serious phone phobias, but I have more of a like client being pissed off at me phobia. Personally. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> like I would For rather sure. get on the phone and talk it out because there's something, there's something really magical that comes from running an online business and doing most of your communication via email um, and sort of breaking that cycle occasionally to get on the phone or to do a face-to-face. -face. Because what I found, I used to do no phone or Skype with my clients. Used to not do any. Like, there are clients I had in the past, I have no idea what their voice sounds like. Um, and it was really easy for them to forget that I was a human. Because yeah. you're constantly emailing each other. And then uh, sometimes things start getting a little, a little snappy. And, and not, not that anything is going wrong. They've just simply forgot that there's a human on the other side of this email chain. And so what I found is by incorporating phone calls, because I used to have a phone phobia too. I used to hate doing it. Um, but by incorporating either Skype or phone conversations into how it is that you do business and whether you're a product business and you're managing customer service or trying to deal with your vendors or if you are, you know, service-based and you're working with clients or contractors, get on the phone sometimes and assist people in remembering that you are a human being and that you have feelings and that you need to be talked to kindly. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's a good reminder that your client is a human too. It is. Because it it's is. real easy to get pissy with right. a client for because you're on your 10th round of revisions. Right. And so hop on the phone. Mm -hmm. Um I I like a little blend of both. And I so I've also have had clients who went to literally call me and walk through and this is before probably pre-braid method whenever I was more just freelancing. Um who would want to walk through every single revision over the phone and it would make me I, frustrated um, because I couldn't like hold all of those revisions in my mind and, and even taking notes like some things would get lost in translation so but it's remembering that sometimes um, I mean people have different communication styles so if your client prefers phone but you prefer email do a blend of both where you talk over the revisions over the phone but then follow up with a bulleted list of what those revisions are so that you can both see um, if you've missed anything or, you know, or put it on your client to do that. Say like, yes, let's have this phone conversation so we can talk it through. That way you can even advise against revisions that you don't really agree with yes. or defend <laughs> your position. Um, and, and then say, okay, but I want you to follow up and send me a, a list, a bulleted list of these revisions as well. And that works for anything, not just, um, not just client relationships and managing projects, but like even with us, with the podcast and whenever we're making big decisions, uh, we'll talk it through and then we'll send an email or put a note in Evernote of what we discussed. Yeah, I think that's really important, um, really important to have that blend. And I also want to point out really quickly, because someone said something about this in the group or in that survey or something, and they were talking about 
how it is that you get your clients to communicate the way you do. Um, and I think it's really important as part of your onboarding process, like taking on a client to be very clear as to how it is that you communicate. And that's something that you and I have both done in setting these, setting these, um, these meeting dates like immediately. So they know that there will be face-to-face -face time. Um, but then also in how you email them, people tend to mirror that back to you. So if you're one of those people who send these really long-winded emails, you can expect your clients to start sending you really long-winded emails as well. But if you are really short and concise, then you can train your clients to do the same thing. There is so much to be said about how it is that you do business and how clients will mirror that back to you. So you can train your clients to to communicate with you exactly the way that you need to be communicated to, um, but also making it very clear whenever you're taking on a client how it is that you like to be um, like to be talked to. So um, one way that we used to do this, I don't think this is in our sales slides anymore, but used to it was actually in my like client intake paperwork that like here's the email address and here's when we email back and here is like the sort of turnaround times that we have here is the phone number that you can reach us and we recently took our phone number off things because I don't like being called randomly that drives me <laughs> insane um but you know we have phones for meetings and then uh you know we'll do most communications about your project via Basecamp which we don't use Basecamp anymore um but being very clear with your clients as to how it is that you expect them to communicate with with you during the life of a project is the best way to solve any communications you problems that you would normally have from the very beginning and then train your clients to talk to you the way that you need them to talk to you and um, sometimes I will get Facebook messages from people who are interested and I will <laughs> I will say, hey, I suck at Facebook messaging. Yes. Like it will fall through the cracks. And yes. so, you know, it's not their it's not their fault. I mean, everyone is on Facebook. So I will always say, Hey, I got this, but please email me at my email address and I'll give them my email address so that it doesn't fall through the cracks. Because I've developed such a process with my inbox that everything typically gets taken care of in there. It's a rare day whenever something falls through the cracks there. But Facebook or even text um, it will, it will like fall through. I, I just can't, you know, I like everything to be in one place and that's usually my inbox I would say is kind of the hub. Okay. I want to talk about like really quick before we finish this episode about whenever you are having face-to-face -face meetings, how to make them the most effective. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things I found is, um, before you, or like right whenever you get on the call to say, okay, I have a hard stop at this time yes. so that you know that this meeting is only going to be 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And then it's done because you've got another meeting to go into. Um, but also kind of setting that expectation from the get go. I agree. I do that. And it's such an important way to keep, even you and I do this, like mm -hmm. we do this. And so it's not a rude thing. Like no one sees it as being rude. If anything, you're being more respectful of people's time, which is more important than gabbing it out for three hours. Um, which like, I mean, you and I can gab it out all day long. It's why we started a podcast. Right. But, but we asked to see if we have time. Like that's one exactly. of those things like, look, okay, I got two hours, Kathleen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. And 
we'll go for it. So, so I think that, and again, that's sort of like training a client because once you do that once, if you're setting like 30 minutes for each, each call, your client will not go over that 30 minutes. Like I'm doing, I'm doing mentoring meetings with my clients. I'm wrapping up my first couple of 12 month indie boom projects. And at this point, our meetings are like clockwork. We get on just in time. We do our one hour meeting and we're off and no one feels miffed. Like it is not an issue. Um, and keeping, keeping true to what you say as far as what, how much time you're going to take from someone is, is just respectful and nice and is well, good business. And I will say like whenever it comes to my clients, I'm more willing to go over on time. No big deal. Cause they're paying me good money right? to, to talk. The meetings I'm really specific, usually about having a hard stop on are whenever I'm doing probably interviews or Q and A's. Or even um, like speaking to potential sponsors for the podcast. Right. You know, I'll say I've got 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it gets all the fluff out too. Exactly. Like, so you can really get to the point and, and get going on. And really that is sort of the overarching theme of this entire thing is get to the point and get shit done <laughs> because that's really what it comes down to is lay out everything that you need to lay out, make it as easy as people or easy as possible for people to respond or take action or reply to your questions um, in a way that just sort of saves time for everyone because email and just meetings, meetings eat, my, eat up my life just as much as, um, Me too. as emails does. Me too. Being able to go into it concisely and have a game plan and be training your clients um, to to do what needs to be done. One thing I wanted to mention, I, because you keep on talking about training your clients, and I think that whenever you're in a business like we are, where you're doing a lot of mentoring and coaching, you're not just training them on how to communicate with you, but you're training them on how to be effective communicators by example for their clients. Um, and I know that I learn from people who are a few steps ahead of me whenever it comes to their emails and how they're doing it, even newsletters and things like that. Well, in so much of like, I'm a good email. <laughs> I can write a damn good email, but definitely a lot of how I email now came from Tara and like working. Yeah. Because Tara like does very concise emailing. Yeah. She is the master emailer. <laughs> she, is. she should write an ebook on how to, how to structure an email. She definitely, definitely should. It would be, it would be genius. Um, but you do the people that you work with, um, who communicate online, none of us grow up learning how to email. Like, not really. I mean, we learn how to talk <laughs> from our parents and on the phone. And I guess Lily, these Lily texts now. I'm what? not kidding. She Does loves... she have her own phone? No, she has an iPad that she uses. It's like an old cracked up one. <laughs> and is she like sending you emojis? Tons or... of emojis. She loves sending me emojis. Um, she does little voice, the little voice texting. So, like if it's something she can't spell out, she'll voice text me. I wish it's Fox adorable. could text me right this second. I know. The first time it ever happened, we were in Chattanooga. We were at the aquarium. And I'm, like, sending her, like, photos of, of us because a bunch of grown-ups went to the aquarium. Uh, sending her photos. And she's, she's sending back emojis and, like, voice texts. It was, like, one of the most heartwarming mm. days. I will never forget that day. My first text from Lily. Um, so we, we grow up learning how to do a lot of communicating. But we don't learn how to write emails. 
unless they have classes about that now, I mean, maybe which they, they should. Do now. Um, so you do, you learn from the people that you work with online. And, um, and so it almost is our responsibility because we know how to do it to show the people that we work with how to do it so that they can be successful in their business as well. So if you hire Kathleen and I, not only do we brand and website you, we also show you how to email like a boss. <laughs> you know, and I wanted to bring up one more thing that I, I forgot to mention that I probably just am taking for granted or glossing over, but from my agency days mm -hmm. is um, whenever I would email creative to the account manager mm -hmm. who would then be sending it on to the client I wanted to make sure to make the account manager's job as easy as possible. So I always wrote my emails as if they were going to be forwarded or, you know, directly copied and pasted. And I think that the same really does still apply now. And so I'm really sure to be thorough enough and concise enough that no matter who opened this email, like they would kind of be able to understand what was happening. Yeah. Um, so so creatives, if you're sending an email to your client, let's say, and um, it's a project that you've been working on, don't don't take it for granted, especially if they need to show it to someone else for approval, if they're not the only decision maker. Um, don't take for granted like a little brief creative rationale, like just a few bullet points on why you did what you did or why you made the decisions that you made. Um, and, and that can apply to anything. So write mm -hmm. your emails as if they are going to be forwarded. Yes. Oh, I like that idea. That definitely puts a little more filtering in the information that you put in, which is important. And I think that's what a lot of it is, is like, is filter it. Like keep with the niceties, ask people how they are and tell them how you're doing. Like, you know, be conversational, but that's like two sentences. I would say, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I think that that just depends on relationships. Sometimes, it like, I, I mean, if I'm emailing you, I'm just to the point. Yes, it, it does. It, it depends a lot on relationships. I'll never forget I had a client once who, at the towards the end of a project, he was mad at me because I didn't ask how he was every time I sent him an email anymore. And I remember being like, I email you like five times a day because we're launching a website and you want me to ask. How, but I was like, fine. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, Emily, he was probably stressed out because he was about to launch a website. He was. He, oh, he definitely. I mean, it wasn't like a bad thing or anything. <laughs> but, um, but you do sort of have to fill out those, those circumstances. I can definitely... I always know a client that I can, that I can talk to via email very easily. That's going to be completely okay. Whoa motorcycle that's going to be completely okay with um with a one word or one sentence response um I'll never forget even <laughs> Lindsay Clues Ginger Tonic Botanicals one of our favorite braid indie um combo clients um the, like the third or fourth email I ever sent her I told her I was excited to see her face and I remember sending that email and thinking, did I just tell a client that I was excited to see her face? Like, that's something that I would tell. Oh, like, did that seem like bad? Well, a little. Like, I had never said it to a client like that before. Oh, and, like, granted, like, she's definitely the kind of person now that, like, I want to see her face. Lindsay, yeah. I want to see your face. Um, but you you can start to start to see the kinds of people that you can talk to very easily like that. And then there are some clients that even now, like I have to remain a little more professional for, um, because that's simply what they're expecting. Um, so I don't know, you'll learn to read the room in a way mm -hmm. <laughs> once you do emails as long and as often as we do. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm still working to that zero inbox. You know, I was just thinking like maybe zero inbox is just a ridiculous goal. Like, do I really desire a zero inbox? I want greatness. <laughs> for, me, for me, at least these days, greatness equates to a zeroed inbox. Um, I don't know. I think that's just, I don't know. That's one of my goals. It doesn't have to be yours, Kathleen, but it is one of mine. Hmm. I like my communications to be under wraps. I just snapped. YouTubers, I just snapped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I want to talk to the designers for a minute. Go for it. About our Branding for Designers ebook. So you want to be this amazing creative designer who works for themselves, but it comes with all this fear of rejection, self-doubt, and uncertainty. You might even be asking yourself, is this a real job? But you do it anyway because you love design and you want to create a working life for yourself that you love. So I want to tell our designer listeners about the free ebook available for download at braidcreative.com. It's called Seven Ways Designers Become and Brand Themselves as Creative Experts. My sister Tara and I started Braid Creative to write, design, and develop brands for creative entrepreneurs while coaching them through their vision. So we got especially fired up to write this how-to-do-it guide, especially for the designers. We know if you can get that creative expert blend into what you do, then everyone else will see it too. Get the Braid ebook for designers at braidcreative.com. And we'll try and write you one for emails too next. Get on that, Tara. (laughs) Tara, actionable to do for you. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) We'll send you an email recap as soon as we're done. And if you are a creative entrepreneur who's ready to step up your online game with a cohesive and strategic brand and website that totally rocks your socks and makes it easy for your dream customer to find and buy you, visit me at IndieShopography.com and check out our one-on-one engagement, Indie Boom, where we work with you to build an online presence that's tailored specifically to you and your business. And the best part is that we do many of these projects in partnership with Braid Creative to pull in their branding and business visioning expertise for building a powerful personal brand. So you get the best of both of our worlds and just the tools you need to build your dreams. Find out more at IndieShopography.com slash IndieBoom. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. You can find our show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. my gosh you have choreographed amen that's what you have just done with emojis